Section 12, Introduction As the work of translating the Book of Mormon moved into the month of early May, a supply of food was brought down to Harmony from Colesville, New York, by a staunch friend and the young prophet's former employer, whose name was Joseph Knight. He owned a farm, a grist mill, and a carding machine, which meant he was fairly well off. Joseph Knight had such a high regard for Joseph that he managed to be in Palmyra at the time Joseph received the gold plates from Moroni. But meanwhile, Joseph had moved to Harmony, Pennsylvania, and Father Knight knew Joseph had commenced the translation of the plates, and so he took this first opportunity to visit with him and bring him down some supplies. When it was convenient, he asked Joseph for a revelation, and the following was received, probably through the Urim and Thummim. Now here's the text of section 12. This revelation begins along the same theme which the Lord used in the revelation to Father Smith. A great and marvelous work is about to come forth unto the children of men. Behold, I am God. Give heed unto my word which is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, to the dividing asunder of both joints and marrow. Therefore give heed unto my words. Behold, the field is white, all ready to harvest. Therefore whoso desireth to reap, let him thrust in his sickle with his might, and reap while the day lasts, that he may treasure up for his soul everlasting salvation in the kingdom of God. Yea, Whosoever will thrust in his sickle and reap, the same is called of God. Therefore, if you will ask of me, you shall receive. If you will knock, it shall be opened unto you. It will be noted that the Lord wants Joseph Knight to know that this revelation is not from Joseph Smith, but from God. He is all-powerful, and by the most simple word of his mouth he can split asunder both bone and sinew. The Lord then emphasizes that the world has been prepared for a great harvest of souls in the latter days, and the time is ripe for the work to begin. He declares that those who thrust in their sickle with their might will reap the treasures of salvation which God has prepared for them. He also says that those who are willing to help in this mighty undertaking will be called to participate. But as Hiram Smith learned, a person is not called on his own initiative. He must wait on the Lord until he is called. Now, as you have asked, behold, I say unto you, keep my commandments and seek to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. Notice how general the Lord is in giving instructions to Joseph Knight. Joseph would be amazed if he had known the specific things the Lord would be asking him to do the remainder of his life. But that must come in due time. For the present, the Lord speaks in more general terms. Behold, I speak unto you, and also to all those who have desires to bring forth and establish this work. Notice that the Lord says his general commandments are not only for Joseph Knight, but for all who would like to know the will of the Lord for the present. In the next verse, he outlines the qualities that each disciple needs to cultivate for the work which lies ahead. And no one can assist in this work, except he shall be humble and full of love, having faith, hope, and charity, 
being temperate in all things, whatsoever shall be entrusted to his care. Behold, I am the light and the life of the world that speak these words. Therefore give heed with your might, and then you are called. Amen. Notice how the Lord emphasizes that the cultivation of these qualities is a requirement for those who would like to be called. Before leaving Joseph Knight, we should remind ourselves that he is one of the most loyal friends Joseph Smith will ever have. Section 13, Introduction Now we come to the tremendous event when Oliver Cowder gets to see a heavenly being for the first time. While translating the plates, Joseph and Oliver were much impressed by the subject of baptism which the record discussed. They began to wonder what they should do about their own baptisms and decided to ask the Lord about it. Joseph Smith describes what happened, quote, While we were thus employed, praying and calling upon the Lord, a messenger from heaven descended in a cloud of light, and having laid his hands upon us, he ordained us, saying, Upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of Messiah, I confer the priesthood of Aaron, which holds the keys of the ministering of angels and of the gospel of repentance and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. And this shall never be taken again from the earth until the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. Now this is found in the documentary History of the Church, Volume 1, pages 39 to 40. Then it continues, quote, He said that this ironic priesthood had not the power of laying on hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost, but that this should be conferred on us hereafter. And he commanded us to go and be baptized, and gave us directions that I should baptize Oliver Cowdery, and afterwards that he should baptize me. Accordingly, we went and were baptized. I baptized him first, and afterwards he baptized me. After which I laid my hands upon his head and ordained him to the Aaronic priesthood. And afterwards he laid his hands on me and ordained me to the same priesthood. For so we were commanded. The messenger who visited us on this occasion and conferred the priesthood upon us said that his name was John the same that is called John the Baptist in the New Testament, and that he acted under the direction of Peter, James, and John, who held the keys of the priesthood of Melchizedek, which priesthood, he said, would in due time be conferred upon us, and that I should be called the first elder of the church and Oliver Cowdery II. It was on the 15th day of May, 1829, that we were ordained under the hands of this messenger and baptized, unquote. Immediately after their baptism, both Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith were filled with the Holy Ghost and received the power of prophecy. In later years, Oliver Cowdery described his own personal reaction to this thrilling event, quote, I shall not attempt to paint to you the failings of this heart nor the majestic beauty and glory which surrounded us on this occasion. The assurance that we were in the presence of an angel, the certainty that we had heard the voice of Jesus which spoke peace to them as the angel first appeared, and the truth unsullied as it flowed from a pure personage 
dictated by the will of God is to me past description, and I shall ever look upon this expression of the Savior's goodness with wonder and thanksgiving while I am permitted to tarry, and in those mansions where perfection dwells and sin never comes, I hope to adore in that day which shall never cease. That's the documentary history of the church, page 143, and the note below. When will the Aaronic priesthood be taken from the earth? It will be recalled that John the Baptist said, And this, the Aaronic priesthood, will never be taken again from the earth until the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. Unquote. We cannot help wondering when the sons of Levi will offer an offering to the Lord in righteousness. The book of Ezekiel may prove helpful. Beginning with chapter 40, he describes in great detail the layout for the temple in the city of Jerusalem. This is after the battle of Armageddon, so the Jews will have had the Savior appear among them, and they will have become members of his church. In Ezekiel 43 and 27, it describes the offering of the priest as being acceptable to the Lord. And in Ezekiel 48 and 11, it speaks of the priest as being sanctified. Unquote. Perhaps this is the time when the separation between the Aaronic and higher priesthood will no longer exist. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to read more on the Prophet Joseph Smith by W. Cleon Skousen, go to skousenlibrary.com. Look for his book titled Brother Joseph.